0: Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. And I've been on this series uh, called Arise, Shine, and I wanted kind of to wrap it up, or I'm, I don't know, but I think I'm wrapping it up, but it had to do with 2019. Remember, way back in the beginning, these are up on SoundCloud. And we, we, you know, we use in the 2019 is there's two things we must do that's arise, shine. There's zero space that we're giving the enemy, no place for the devil. Uh, there's only one thing that matters and that's seeking him, seeking the kingdom with all our heart, mind, or soul. And there were nine traps that we have to avoid. And those nine traps are really a part of why we're going into uh, emotionally healthy discipleship. Because these are traps we have all fallen into. These are traps we have all been affected by. You know, uh, and, and so we're going to go into that a little more today. And, um, and, but those, that was the beginning. And then we've preached, uh, this is the fourth, fourth message in that series. And we began it with this uh, thought, get back up. Now, this this arise, shine is just another way to say, get up, get back up. Shine, get lit up, and turn your face to the sun, the S-O-N, for the glory of the Lord will arise upon thee. And here's the text that we have used from Isaiah 61 to 3. It says, Arise, shine, for your light, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people but the Lord will arise over you. The Lord will arise over you. That's a promise from God. How many you know God keeps his word? God's going to arise over you and your situation. You may not feel like, you know, you're, you're seeing the glory of God, or you're like, if this is the glory, God help me. But, but God, I'm gonna, we're going to see today how God arises over us. And then his glory will be seen upon you. The glory of God is the transformational power that comes when God's allowed in. Because wherever God is allowed in, he's going to change things. He's going to change us. He's going to change our situations. So the glory will be seen upon you. The the, the word glory and goodness are actually... Uh, synonymous in the Old Testament remember when Moses said show me thy glory and God said no man has ever seen me and live but I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to pass by in my goodness and so the goodness and the glory of God how many of you would like to see the goodness of God Jan we're praying that the goodness of God manifest and she's having surgery tomorrow and and in that in that situation we just we look for God to manifest his goodness and so that's the, the glory will be seen upon you gentiles shall come to your light kings to the brightness of your rising now with the, the definition i used and i love this from Bob Sorge was glory is used in the bible to describe the action of God whereby he takes of his glory or let's just say his goodness You know, his goodness and his glory are synonymous, which is eternally existent in heaven. God's goodness is unopposed in heaven. We know on earth that there's a lot of opposition to God's goodness. Uh, Sickness is not in alignment with God's goodness. Being financially broke and busted is not in alignment with God's goodness. Living a life full of strife and, and var- variance and, and being, and, and being uh, uh, under a constant attack. That is not a, an alignment with the goodness of God. And so what God does, though, is being that he is good and he's eternally good and he's eternally existent and he's eternally on the move, he says he pushes through the veil. We sang about that this morning. I just love how every Sunday these songs... And I, I, never, I never communicate with Amy and say, hey, Amy, sing this, this, and this. Right. It's just amazing to me how God just like, God's really, he's really smart. Yes, it <laughs> and, and it would do us to just tune in and listen to him and not be wise in our own eyes. I couldn't plan these things. <laughs> if I did, they wouldn't be near what God could do. So he pushes through the veil. What is the veil? The thing that separates the natural and spiritual realities. There's natural realities. Let's just say, in, in the reality that, that you're fighting a sickness, there's a natural reality there. Your body is under attack. I don't deny sickness like Christian scientists and say it's all up in your head. That's stupid. You, you, don't, you don't deny the reality that in, on earth people are, people are in bondage. That's just a reality. Is, is addiction a reality? Every hour in our country, seven to eight people, seven, there's a seven point, I did the math on it, uh, an hour are dying of opiate overdoses. That's a reality. Come on, church. We can't deny that and we can't, we can't pretend like it's not a real problem. Because some of you know how real it is because there's not many of us here who haven't been touched by it. I lost a brother when he was, he was 52 years old from an opiate. How old was he? 47. From an opiate overdose. prescribed opiate overdose that's a natural reality but listen to this what glory is is when God pushes through the veil that separates natural reality and introduces a spiritual reality because in the spiritual reality which is heaven there is no addiction in heaven There is no sickness in heaven. There is no sorrow in heaven. That's why we keep praying, Lord, let thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying that heaven comes to earth. We couldn't get to heaven, but Jesus came from heaven to get heaven to us. (laughs) And so when the spiritual reality comes and God finds you in a physical reality... Say like Brad, Brad was one time, the physical reality was he was locked up. He was locked up in darkness. He was locked up in addiction. You should hear his story. We have it on DVD if you'd like to see it. And and it's powerful because when the natural reality met the spiritual reality, then heaven won and took this man from death and brought him to life. And that same God yes. is healing people, Amen. saving people, yes. restoring marriages. Yes. And so the reality that separates the natural from the spiritual and reveals within the parameters of our time and space. I love, I love Bob's wording here. The parameters means the, 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 the outlining. The parameters are the, are the borders. The parameters are, the, are how things are drawn. It's in the parameters of, like when you build a building, you build it in the parameters of your lot lines or you're liable to lose your building. I, know, I was in the construction. I, I know one time when, when uh, a friend of mine who was a builder built a house two feet on another person's property. That's a problem. Because guess what? All of his work, all of his money, all of his effort meant that two feet of that property belonged to that neighbor. And if the neighbor decides to cop an attitude, you have one big problem. Because now you got to buy three feet of his property to get it within your parameters. Are you with me? So what God's trying to do is give you the parameters in your time and your space, the splendor of his magnificent beauty. listen to this. God is building a building today. You and I are a part of this building. The problem is some of you are not building in God's parameters. And you're building two feet over the line. And let me tell you something. The devil is not a good neighbor. Because here's, here's you know, you, you, know you, you heard the saying, if you, give, if you give the devil an inch, you take a mile. Here's how I say it. If you give the devil an inch, he'll take your life. Because the thief cometh but for to rob, kill, and destroy. Pastor Mike, that's, 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 that's tough, yeah, and that's why I'm sharing this from my heart, I'm not sharing this from a position of trying to, trying to shame you, I'm trying to say, hey, wake up, it's time to, it's time to build your building on the foundation, of God's goodness and God's glory because what that means is then when God reveals the parameters of our time and space and invades our time and space with the splendor of his magnificent beauty and splendor, what that means simply is this. Heaven just came to earth to change you, to rearrange you, to save you, to heal you. Are you with me this morning? And so that, that's why I, this message, I think, is so important for this year, because I believe in my heart of hearts that the Spirit of God is saying to the church, church, it's a time to arise and shine. Yes, yes. Now, see, we keep thinking, here's the problem, we keep thinking that it's God going to arise and God is going to shine. I'm here to tell you God has already arisen and God is already shining. The question is, have you arisen and are you shining? And if not, what is keeping you from arising and shining? Why aren't you getting up and getting lit? So can I go on a little bit? So I want to talk to you today about the action of God, or what we would call the move of God. Because again, I want to dispel some of the, some of the myths about the move of God. We always, we've known always that God is on the move. In Genesis 1, 1, it says, In the beginning... The earth was without form, and darkness covered the face of the deep. But here's what it says. And the Spirit of God moved on the face of the deep. The word in the Hebrew is the word brood, flutter and shake. That's how it's translated in different places throughout the Old Testament. Excuse me. The, the, The idea of brooding. You know what brooding is, right? That's what happens when when, when the mother hen sits on her precious eggs and she broods over them. And what she's doing is she lets the warmth from her body transfer into, the, into that egg in its embryonic state. <clears throat> Excuse me. Can I have a... Thank you. And in that embryonic state, what happens is the hen broods How long does the hen brood until, until that embryonic egg comes forth into new life? So you see, get the picture, because God shows us the end from the beginning is what Isaiah says. So in Genesis 1-1, God really shows you everything you need to know about life and salvation, because darkness represents the lost, us without God. The chaos. The word earth was without form, without void or void. Means chaos, utter chaos. How many of you can testify that your life was chaos before you came to Jesus? Oh my Lord, we live in such a chaotic world. And people go, I don't understand all this chaos. This is life without God. And so Salvation is the spirit of God brooding over the darkness until what comes forth? God speaks and it says, let there be light. There could be no light without the spirit of God brooding. You don't just get saved by saying, I want to get saved. You get saved because God draws you. No man cometh to the father, but by me, Jesus said. And then he says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to brood over. Aren't you glad Jesus brooded over you in your darkness and your chaos and your mess? Some of us get so freaked out too. Like you, know, like, like, you know, I don't know whether I should have anything to do with people in darkness. You should in the sense of brooding over them. Praying for them. Speaking life into them. Don't speak death over them. Brood over them. Drive them crazy with things like God's got a calling and God's got great plans for your life. And man, I can't wait to see what God's about to unleash on you. Hallelujah. That's much better than you're going to die and go to hell. That never motivated me. I told, I told my brother one. I was trying to get my brother you know, saved, who was, his life was drugs and alcohol and and I, you know, and I came out of a similar thing, but it was years earlier and then I'm witnessing to my brother who's bound up and I'm like, Kevin, you're going to die and go to hell if you don't give. And, and it never moved him. Never moved him. And then later, that's, that same. I saw him one month before he died. I had this conversation, I didn't, I said, hey, Kevin, how's it going? He says, oh, Mike, he says, you won't believe what God's been saying and doing in my life. And I'm like, and he started telling me. And I'm like, wow, Kevin, that's awesome. And what I realized is that the spirit of God had been brooding over him. And he he stopped taking illicit drugs. And he went down, he went to a doctor And he got fentanyl patches prescribed by a doctor. And he put on these fentanyl patches and went to bed one night and did not wake up. But you know what I took great comfort in? That the spirit of God had brooded over him. And when the last conversation I had with him, he looked at me and he said, Mike, everything's going to be all right. Tears are running down my cheeks and he's he's blessing me and I'm like wow Jesus you are so awesome because all of my preaching to him did not amount to anything compared to what the spirit of God does when he broods over someone. We need to pray over our children. Don't lecture them. Pray and intercede and invite the Holy Spirit to brood over them, sit on them, hallelujah. Let the warmth of God fill them until their lives are changed, hallelujah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yell. I'm not mad. I'm just, man, I'm like a duck with his legs under the water going, woo, Jesus. I feel this brooding yes. taking place right now with many of you, yes. with many of your children. Yes. Yes. Some of you have almost given up on your children because of the chaos and the, and the things that you're seeing with the natural eye, the natural reality. Do not give in to the natural reality. Faith holds on to what can't be seen with the eye and believes what only the heart can get a hold of because faith is seeing the invisible and proclaiming that this is not the will of God. This is the will of God. Thus saith the Lord. Do not give up on your children. The spirit of God's moving, brooding, fluttering, shaking things. You know, when your kids get shaken, don't get shaken with it. Come on, church. When the Holy Spirit starts shaking, do not get shaken with it. That's your time to stand firm, stand confident, and they can look at the confidence in you and they go, "How can you? Be, how can you be so confident?" Because I know what God has spoken. And I choose to believe what thus saith the Lord. You see, that's Acts 2 4. A sound came from heaven. It's always accompanied by a sound, by a shaking, by a fluttering. A fluttering comes because of the wind, right? When something is fluttering, it's because there's a breeze, there's a a sound from heaven, a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled the whole house. Everybody say the the whole house. I believe in whole house salvation. That God says, when you got saved, I'm going to save you and your whole household. And so he, he says, it filled all the whole house where, and, where they sat and they were all filled. I'm just trying to save room here. You read it. It's powerful. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to be impacted by this moving. They all spoke with tongues. They all, I mean, a lot of people are freaking out today about all this different things and they, they're ready to argue over all of this. Here, argue with this. We need God to move. We need God to move. The entire book of Acts tells of God's moving through his church to impact individuals. How many of you know the Holy Spirit impacts individuals? He did. He got Saul on the road to Tarsus how the Holy Spirit moved entire cities. Stephen went, and the whole city got impacted in revival because of the moving of the Holy Spirit. Come on, Holy Spirit, move in Portage. Nations were impacted when the Spirit of God moved by the church as we saw entire nations come under the influence of the gospel through the faithful witness of those who would, even Paul, who had gotten individually wrecked by God. Then he goes and reaches the nations. All for the glory of God. Can you say amen? amen. And so I, I came to share with you today. I want you to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 21. And so it says this. So we have the prophetic word made more certain. Who? This prophetic word, the prophetic word in, here in Peter is the word of God as prophesied by men of God who were moved on, the Bible says, by the Spirit of God, because it says it was not written by man, but, but written by God who inspired men. You with me? Did I say that right? Yes. So the, the Word of God is the inspired Word of God. In other words, it's a prophetic word as the Spirit of God moved on men to write. And so we have the prophetic word made more certain. Now, how do you make the word of God more certain? Now, listen to this. Follow this with me, because this is really powerful. How do you make God's word certain in your life? How do you make it work in your life? Let's put it that way. How do you get the word of God to work in your life? I mean, so here's the word. Here's the word of God. And, and we, all, we all love the word. Many of you read this word. And I I thank God for you reading the Word and studying the Word and and everything, but the question is, it isn't isn't so much of how much of this Word that you know, it's how much of this Word is active in your life. For the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, Hebrews 4 says. And it's able to divide asunder between soul and spirit. It's active, it's alive. So it's, it's what's, what is, what of this word? Listen, the only parts of this book that are worth anything to you are the parts that are alive and working in you. And so how do we make the word of God more certain? You do well to pay close attention Everybody say, pay attention. attention. Elbow your neighbor and say, pay attention. attention. Been wanting to do that all morning, haven't you? Pay attention. Pay attention. That's so number one. Everybody notice this. Here's what you do to make the word of God more certain. My towel over here. Pay attention. Everybody say, "Pay pay attention. So what do you have to do to get the word of God working in your life? It's amazing to me, standing up here, I watch people who aren't paying any attention. I love, I love, I love the written word. I love the, I love the fact that it's on my phone, too. But when, what's happened today is that with all these devices, yeah. it's really hard for us to pay attention. Yes, it is. Yeah. I got a notice today from Apple. Thank you. Oh, a football rag. <laughs> Football's over. Very disappointed in that Super Bowl. <laughs> um. I got it. I got a notice. Did you, did you, how many of you, if, if you're if you're an Apple device user, which I'm an Apple user, got an Apple Watch, iPad, iPhone? I wear iBoxers. boxers <laughs> Not kidding. not really. <laughs> if they made them, I'd probably wear them. And so, and so here's the thing. I got a notice today because I was gone last week. So I, you know, had my phone with me, and I'm just keeping up with things, doing some social media, posting lots of pictures. It said, it said you, have, you have six hours of screen time this week. And I'm thinking, wow. Six hours? That's a lot. Let's think about it. Six hours of looking at my phone. Stalking y'all. I have to keep. A, I watch on Terry too. Oh my lord! Don't even give me this. Don't give me the sermon. But let me ask you a question: What if we spent six hours in the Word? What if What if we spent six hours in? prayer that's part of this again part of this emotionally healthy discipleship because a lot of us you know we 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 have we come to church we put a bible under our arm and we walk in and you know and we're here and yet we're not really paying attention you know how I know that because some of y'all are painting the porch and your house is on fire Now what what I, what, I do when, what I do when my house is on fire, it's lit, I'm talking about metaphorically, you understand that, is I go, I go to God, I go to God's word. I know what I see in the reality and I say, God, what do you say about this reality? Because if I looked at it from just the natural, listen, I would have quit a long time ago. But, but if I look at it from the spiritual reality and I pay attention, why? Because it's like a lamp shining in a dark place. Have you ever, how many of you are in a dark, just look, let's just get real. Can y'all, you don't have to raise your hand. But how many, just in your heart, this question, how many of you would say, Pastor Mike, I'm really in a dark place? Don't raise your hand. And so when you're in a dark place, what do you do? Well, I'll tell you what most of us do is we retreat and we hide and we cover up. We crawl under the covers, so to speak. So the room that's dark, now we're hid under the covers and we're like, it it seems better if I just hide under here. We withdraw from everything and y'all know it's true. The first temptation in the middle of the battle is to withdraw from the people who can help you. I know, I know sometimes that those people are like sandpaper. But do you know sandpaper is a good thing? Because it'll knock the burrs off you and keep you from getting hurt deeper and going off and getting completely swallowed up in the darkness. I'm just telling you, this is another part of this emotionally healthy discipleship. Because the church has got to stop retreating. You can't arise and, and retreat at the same time. The church can't hide behind our four walls. We have a great building here. I love this building. Well, I don't really love it. I, it's okay. <laughs> but this is not the church. You and I are the church. And I love, I love our heart to go out into the city. We, I love our, our heart to go out and shine in the darkness. Because that's really what it's all about, it's, it's, and, 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 and the, whole, the whole need for the church is to get out of the salt shaker and get into the place that needs salting. Right. You are the salt of the earth, yeah. but if the salt loses its savor, it's henceforth good for nothing. And so he says, it's like a lamp shining in a dark place. So what do you do when you get in a dark place? God, I need a word. Listen to me. I need a word. Now, I believe in prophetic words. You know what we do. We, we, we had a prophetic day here yesterday where people are learning to flow in the prophetic. It's an awesome thing. The prophetic is a biblical principle, it's, it's, it's God's utterance. Paul said, I would that you all prophesy. But let me, can I, can I tell you something? The strength of your pr- ability to prophesy is directed, directly connected to your knowledge and experience in the word of God. Because otherwise you will start prophesying out of yourself. And we need to prophesy out of this. Come on, church. I've been around too long. I know, I know people want the best for people, too. And they say, you know, thus saith the Lord. When it really wasn't thus saith the Lord, it was this is what I say. Yeah. Yeah. Now, listen, I say, it, I say things, too. I, I say, but I, I try to make a, a distinction. You know, listen, I have, this is not from God. Yeah. This is what I say. Right. But you know what I always tell people? You need to get in this book, and you need to find out what God has saying to you. Because you need to make certain that it's shining in the dark place. Pay attention. Until when? Until the day dawns. Until there's daybreak. And the light breaks through the gloom and the morning star arises in your hearts. How long should I keep going into this? <laughs> We're in it for the long haul. And we keep going until daybreak, until until this. <laughs> I love sunrise. I love when the light breaks through the gloom. I love love to see the the sun rise off the the horizon. and, And I love to see the darkness dispel. And then he says the morning star arises in your hearts. He's talking about an experience that you have with the word of God becoming real to you. To arise and shine means that you have to let the word arise in you and as the word arises in you you arise with it Uh, now but understand this first of all that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of or comes to one's own personal or special interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will but men moved by the holy spirit spoke from god Whoo. Hello. It's not part of the human will. It's part of what God is born of God. Everybody say amen. Amen. So that's what that's what arising. I'm talking when we say arise, shine. This is what we're talking about. Is that you're moved by the Holy Spirit. Everybody say this. Move me, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Speak through me, Holy Spirit. Speak Speak to me, Holy Spirit. Because if he's going to speak through me, he's got to speak to me. Otherwise, all you're going to hear is me. I don't have anything worth saying, but he does. It's true. So this is a powerful passage that has to do with how God is moving. And when God moves, listen to this, we must move with him we must move in agreement in alignment with him now if you back up here i want you to go we're going to go back to verses because this is this is so powerful it says for we did not follow cleverly devised stories or myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our lord jesus christ <laughs> these weren't these weren't myths These weren't made up stories about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory. Arise, shine, for the glory of God is upon you. And darkness covers the earth, gross darkness the people. But the glory of God shall arise on you, shall be seen on you. He said, We didn't do this from men. We didn't follow this from myths, from stories. But now look at this. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty his grandeur, his authority, his sovereignty. They got, a, they got a bird's eye view, a front seat to watch the glory of God as it manifested through Jesus. And on, on watching Jesus bring heaven to earth, you know, every miracle Jesus performed was, a, was heaven coming to earth. Every demon he cast out was heaven coming to earth. Every blind eye he opened was heaven coming to earth. The woman at the well was heaven coming to earth. I'll, I'll reject, how many of you ever felt rejected in an outsider like she was? And Jesus said, give me a drink. And she goes, if you, she said, who are you to ask me for a drink? Aren't you a Jew? And I'm a Samaritan. Samaritans, that, there was so much racial, you talk about racism, Jews did not have anything to do with Samaritans. Jesus said, I need to go to Samaria. Why? Why did you, If you look at a map, Jesus went a long way out of his way to get to Samaria. Why? Because there was a woman there who was about to meet heaven. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty, his grandeur, his authority, his sovereignty. For when, we, when he was invested with honor, again, honor, and the radiance of the Shekinah glory from God the Father, such a voice as this came to him from the splendid, majestic glory in the bright cloud that overshadowed him. You get this? This was the, the, the day of Mount, he's talking about the day of the Mount of Transfiguration, When he goes up there with Peter, James, and John, and Jesus is there, and all of a sudden Moses and Elijah show up, and they're talking with Jesus. That's pretty awesome. And Peter's like, oh, let's build three temples, and Jesus is like watching Peter make a fool of himself, because generally that's what we do when we come under the influence of such glory. We make a fool out of ourselves. Because we don't know how to be still. (laughs) Wow, you know how quiet it got right there. Let's build three churches. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you, Jesus. And then there's this voice from heaven and said, shut up, Peter. No, I didn't really. That's what I would have said. He said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. See, I love Elijah. Man, you you can preach Elijah, the prophet of God, called fire down from heaven. Hallelujah. Woo. (laughs) I love Moses. The Bible says there was never a man of a greater prophet than Moses. Let me tell you something, church. The church is here for one reason, to hear him, to hear Jesus. Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. There's no rival. I love Moses, but he was no rival to Jesus. Moses built a house, but Jesus built a better house. Elijah called fire down from heaven. Jesus sent the Holy Ghost. A better fire. (laughs) So look (laughs) at the... I'm about to get happy here. I'm really, this is so such a voice as this came to him from the splendid majestic glory and the bright cloud that overshadowed him saying, this is my son. And this, now this is in direct reference to Jesus on the day he was baptized by John. And he said, this is, you know, he come out of the water and the dove descended. And there again, there's that moving of God. And the father voice from heaven said, this is my son can i can I just tell you something from a from a man who 's had an orphan spirit? Hey, Brad, this is for you too. in fact, this is for all you men because right now we 're in a real crisis in the church and in our country and and the crisis is that there's too many fatherless children all of this I saw a guy on uh, who, who, on a secular uh, interview, and he wrote a book, and you know what he said? He said, "Of all the serial killers that have been studied, if uh, here of late, all these school shootings, all these mass killers, you know the one common thread he found as he and this is a secular guy." works for a university, writing a secular book. You know, what he, you know what he said? He said, the one common thread, the one common denominator of all of these people are, they were fatherless. You know what the last verse of Malachi said? The solution to the revival and the move of God would be in our day, that he shall turn the hearts of the children toward their fathers and the fathers toward their children. So men, if your heart isn't toward your children, you are out of alignment with God and you need to repent and make it right before your destruction of your family because you're failing. I don't say that out of a pride. I'm, I'm a, I am a product of that orphan spirit. You know what the answer, listen, you know what the answer to the orphan spirit is? To hear the father say, you are my beloved son and I am well pleased. Abba. You know what Abba is? It's 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 untranslatable. It's really, it's one word in the Greek that's untranslatable. You know why? Because it was slang. You know what it was slang for? Father. So it'd be like instead of walking up to your dad and saying, hello, father, it'd be like you walking up and saying, hey, Papa. Hey, Poppy. That's what Jelly calls me. My heart melts. If she wants anything, all she has to do is say, hey, poppy. <laughs> what do you want, hon? <laughs> you know, you know if, we got this, we, if we got this in the church working like, the, like it should, remember a few weeks ago? I don't know. It's been many weeks ago, I guess now. When I talked about the blessing of the Father, how many people have walked out and are walking out their life without the blessing of the Father? Remember the crossing of the hands? Jacob for Ephraim and Manasseh? That was a really good message. I put that in my top 10 of all time. in its power, because it has the power to change a person's life. Because when you hear, this is my son, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased and delighted, where did Jesus go after that? He went to the cross. You're able to go do anything and everything that God lays out in front of you when you know your sonship. And yet all this stuff that's going on, this is my son, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. I, I gotta, I'm going to move along here. i got somewhere i got to get to. Everybody say get there. So I want you to, let, let me go back here. For we did not follow. Everybody say follow. follow. We didn't follow fairy tales. We followed Jesus. Following is preceded by a decision. We saw, we decided, we followed. You should write that down. We saw, we decided, we followed. Decisions are powerful things. When, it, when the scripture says, arise, he's giving you the opportunity to make a decision. Now listen to me carefully here. Give me, would you give, give me 10 minutes? Yeah right. All right. Decisions are powerful things. When you make a decision, by the very act of making a decision, you set your course for God's glory to be unveiled, or God's glory to be hidden. With the wrong decision, you follow me. Yeah. And so many of us are failing not because we're operating or. Stop. Many of us are failing because we're operating under emotion and not decisions. Many of you come to church and you get a touch of God. But until you make a decision, that touch of God is not enough. Yes, it will get you through a tough day. The touch of God will give you a shot of adrenaline. The Holy Ghost goosebumps make you cry, make you shout. But those emotions are secondary To a decision. Because it's a decision that brings the glory of God to you. And what God's glory does when it shows up is it invades your reality. How many of you want more than just to feel better? You want things to change. In fact, let me say it this way. How many of you want to change? That's the question because I know a lot of people They come and they say, Pastor Mike, would you pray for me? Pray that God will change this. Or better yet, pray that God will change him or her. That's how I prayed for many years. I was like, God, change this woman. We've been married 44 years. And I'm still waiting. <laughs> you open your Stop. But I realized what, what really, folks, you know what, you know what this glory of God is all about? It's not hard for God to change circumstances. The challenge God has is changing us, and He cannot change us until we make a decision. Come on now. How many times are you're going to get touched by God and then walk out and fall into the same trap? That's why we're emotionally crippled. And spiritually immature. Everybody, go like this. <laughs> You've been touched by God, but it's time for decision. Now, here I did this word study. This is really powerful. I, I just man, I got, I had, I just got blessed over this. D side comes from the word decide comes from those two words d and side d means to do the opposite do the opposite or deactivate like deactivate instead of activate i'm deactivating i'm doing the opposite with me d means to remove so when i dethrone satan i'm removing him from his position or in the king the king we removed the king we dethroned him we removed him the word D de- means to get off of, like I deplaned from the airplane. I, got o- I de-trained. I, I got off the, the train. I, I de-plane is to get off of. To cut off is to detach. When I detach, I'm cutting that thing off of me. I'm detaching myself from it. Are you with me? That's the word "d." Now the word "side" means this is this is cool. Now it means to make or to kill or to cut. In other words, it's where we get our word "homicide." "Side" means kill. Homicide is to kill another person. To kill to a Homo sapien. To kill a person. Homicide, suicide is when I kill my self. Infanticide. You heard that a lot in the news? When this genius governor yeah, who should be removed yeah. suggested that we should go ahead and not any now it's beyond abortion. Let the baby be born, make the baby comfortable because we're compassionate, and then we kill it. That's infant side. I got to move on to kill, to cut, homicide, suicide, emphasize. How many of you are with me? Now let's talk about decide. When you decide, you make a final choice or judgment about something. I make, I make it final judgment. How many of you have come to a place in your life where you get sick and tired of being sick and tired? And you make a judgment. You make a decision. I'm going to stop this. This is not going to go on anymore. I'm done. I'm cutting this off. I'm cutting this person off or this situation off. I am not going to be subject to this anymore. I'm making a decision. To select as a course of action. So here's the thing. If you get touched in your emotions... But you don't change your course. If you don't let God lay an ax to the root, you're going to keep eating the same fruit. But when you decide, I've been going this way, and it doesn't take a genius to know this ain't working. What we've been doing here ain't working. You know, I heard, I heard Jim Simbala, the pastor from, from uh, uh, New York, uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle. Man, I love this guy. And he's, he's so, oh, he just blessed me. He, he says, you know, he says, he says, when, you're, when he, he, was, he was a great basketball player in his younger days, you know, a lot of us have a, a great past. <laughs> I, and, and, That was 100 pounds ago and 40 years ago. And anyway, anyway, he said, at least in a basketball game, we'd come out and we're getting hammered by the other team. And he said, they wouldn't just let us keep playing and keep playing while we're getting hammered and hammered and hammered again. He said, all of a sudden, the coach would say, hey, timeout. And he said, he'd bring everybody in. And he said, you know, this ain't working so good. And he said, let's try something different. And so he'd say, the coach would say, hey, let's let's switch from a zone to a man-to-man. And you take this one, you take this one, and you take this one. He said, generally, we'd come out of that, break, go back, play the game, and we'd suddenly see things begin to turn. And we would see the game take a different shape. We, many of us in the church are waiting for God to do something different. And God's been saying for a long time, church, time out. This ain't working. This ain't working, church. This ain't working. And it's time to huddle up. Come on, huddle up. Let's get in here, and let's come up with a plan. Our whole di- idea is to say, God, what we've been doing isn't working in my life, in my marriage, in my family. It's not been working. Time out. I need a strategy, God. I need a word from you, God. I need to know what you need me to do. Come come on. And Then you get a course of action and then you bring to a definitive end. Now let me say this because every decision Brings a shift. Tell your neighbors time for a shift. It's time for a shift. Now prior to a shift, how many of you want a shift? Yeah. Can I have that? Prior to a shift. How many of you want a shift? Yeah. Don't you love when you come out of third gear into fourth? Yeah. How many of you remember driving a manual transmission? Man, I just love I love a good stick because I love the shift. I've been pastoring for a lot of years, and I'm, I'm calling the church now. It's time for a shift. It's time for a shift. What we've been doing hasn't been working. I'm talking to City Point here. I'm not talking about all the other churches they can, they, they can they can. I'm not, I'm not ramming anybody. I'm not criticizing, them, but I'm telling you what we've been doing isn't working, but we're about to shift. This whole old discipleship thing is not some rehashed, refurbished program from 30 years ago. It's not a program at all. It's about us individually coming before God and letting God deal with our dark shadows and letting God shine in the darknesses of our heart and letting God deal with the depths of our brokenness and our bitterness and our, un- our unforgiveness and letting God heal us and letting God completely saturate us with his light and his glory. There's a shift coming, church. That's the good news. Yes. The bad news is this. Before any shift, there comes a sift. Think about it. This is why you've been feeling what you're feeling. I didn't have time to make a real one, but I actually have one of these. I couldn't find it because I preached this message A couple of years ago, not this message, but about the sift, out of Luke 22, when Jesus comes to Peter in Luke chapter 22, and he says, Peter, listen to this, now listen, church. He says, Peter, Satan hath desired you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Notice he didn't say, I'm, going to stop the sh- I'm not going to stop the sifting. So what they did in those times, nothing was automatic in those days. Today we have machines that pick, machines that clean. Uh, we have machines that dry. We have machines that do everything. Say amen. It's a wonderful thing. If you ever worked on a farm like I have, years ago, Terry's dad was a farmer, big, big time farmer. I used to plow his fields for him when I was young. I was just trying to get on his good side so he'd let me marry Terry. It's true, I didn't want to be out in that field. But I didn't mind so much because I was in a $150,000 John Deere tractor that was air conditioned and had a really nice stereo. And so I got the Doobie Brothers in there and I'm rocking it out. (laughs) Jesus is just all right with me. Anyway, it's true. Now, it's all automated. In Jesus' day, it wasn't automated. It was all manual. Everything you did was manual. It required the the labor of your hands, the sweat of your brow. You'd plant your seed. Many of you have planted seed and you've planted for years. And then there comes this harvest time, and we, we, we've been talking a lot about it. We sense in the spirit that this is the year. This is the year of harvest. We believe 2019. Arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord shall be seen on thee. Yeah. Yeah. We believe this is harvest. Everybody say it. It's harvest time. harvest time. Those things you've been believing God for decades, your children who've been out there. It's time. It's, I'm telling you, It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. You sowed your seed, you've watered it, you've prayed, you've wept with tears, and doubtless you'll come again rejoicing. But then when you reap it, you pick it, you go out and pick it. When it comes in, the seed has is, 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 is got to be cleaned, or it's got to be separated, because the outside of the seed has a husk, and the fruit of the seed is inside the husk. Just like us, we, what's inside us is precious, it's a treasure, but the outside of us is like husk, it's, it's rough. God can't, God can't do much with your flesh. In fact, can I just tell you something? God has no intention of saving your flesh. Some of y'all keep trying to save your flesh. God's, you know what God's answer for your flesh is? Die. Except you fall, a grain of wheat fall to the earth and it die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Yeah. God's answer to your flesh is you got to die. Yeah. All of our troubles, all of our situations could be easily answered if we would just die. But men don't want to die. Women don't want to die. Pastors don't want to die. I don't want to be shamed. I don't want to die. I want to I, I look good. But in the kingdom of God, the way up is down because it's an upside down kingdom. The way to get exalted is to humble yourself. Try these two words once. I'm sorry. Yeah, Yeah, for some of us, it gets stuck right here. (laughs) (laughs) You did it. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) I don't understand it, pastor. They get offset upset because I pointed out what they did wrong. Try, I'm sorry. And so, what God does is, He tells Peter, He says, Satan hath desired to have you. Because what they would do is, they put the seed in a, this would be a screen, not a baggie. Use what you got. And so, they would toss it. Oh, you're mad at me, aren't you? (laughs) It's job security. Kathy does all the cleaning around here. She's washing gold. <laughs> Don't you hate a mess? But think about it. The way God comes to us is, He says, you know, Peter, Satan has desired even sift. The word sift means separate. When they would toss it, the wind blowing across it, the wind, everybody say, the wind, the wind. blowing across it would blow the chaff off of it. Yeah. And what would fall would be the pure grain. Because that's what you would keep would be the grain. But here, the separation, think about this. What Satan was trying to do with Peter was separate him from God. And Jesus says, I prayed for you, Peter. And when you are converted, when you are, the words changed. When you, because see, while we resent the sifting, the tossing, the aggravation, the word actually in the Greek means inward agitation. Because it's that agitation that gives the ability for the breeze to blow across it for the pureness of the grain of what's on the inside to come out. Satan's trying to get you to move off God. God's using that sifting to get you to your purpose. I've been like, God, what are you doing? God's like, I I got this. And I'm like, but God. (laughs) Everything, everything, everything seems to be like an agitation. Agitation. But God's trying to bring his glory. And here's what you have to do. You have to make a decision. Are you going to let the tossing separate you from God? Or let it bring you to God? Bow your heads with me. See, that's a strange way to end. I don't think so. I think here's what's... The call, you need to make a choice. Because here's what the devil will put in your heart. I don't know how much more of this I can take. Yeah, yeah. Come on. I can't take any more of this. Yeah. If something doesn't change, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. The devil will tell you, you know what you need to do is, is, is back out. Because there's the way out of this is to get away from all that. And get, get away from all that. Take a break. Just take a break. Just chill. Take a break. And what the Holy Spirit's saying is let the wind blow. Let the wind blow. Let the wind blow. Why? Because Roman 8 says that one thing I know for sure, that whether it's death. Their height, no riches, anything, anything. Everybody say anything. Yeah. Nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So if you're in a sifting God says, don't fret it, child. Don't get, don't get uptight, child. I'm using this sifting for your glory and for your good. Don't, don't panic. I haven't left you. I haven't forgotten you. I'm using what the enemy meant for evil, and I'm going to turn it for your good. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All your irritation, all your aggravation, every little bit of it, God's promises to use to make you the person that he has called and destined you to be so you might arise, make a decision. I'm taking my course of action and I'm going to Jesus. I'm getting deeper into Jesus. I'm going to take advantage of what God is doing right now in this shift. Because if there's going to be a shift in my life, then I have to let God sift what's in my life. Come on, church. We all want the shift. Nobody wants the sift. Father, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and our hearts are open to you, I pray, Father God... That the Holy Spirit will just begin right now to show people the shift, the glory that is right in front of them. Let them follow the cloud, follow the fire. They're not, we're not following cunningly devised fables. God, let the word of God shine in their hearts right now. Let it shine, God, let it shine. We surrender to the sifting. There's just things in us, God, that you're trying to get rid of. There's desires that need to go. Hidden things that I've I've pampered and even coddled, I've even cuddled. God, it's time to let them go. Whoa. Come on, come on, I just sense that. There's some things that you need to make a decision. You need to say, I make a decision. You've had the goosebumps. Now it's time to decide to kill that thing and take a different course of action. Because I'm telling you, if you don't, the areas of your present compromise are the areas of your future defeat. Yeah, come on, just surrender. So if you have some things in your life that you know God is sifting, he's blowing some things out of your life, separating some things from your life, Uh, no tricks here, there's no tricks here, no tricks here, I don't believe in tricks, I don't believe, I don't count, I'm not here to count things, this is is between you and God. But if that's you, I want to know, I want to know who I'm praying for today. I want you to just stand right where you are, just stand up. If you say, Pastor Mike, that's me. I want this shift, but I know I've got to have this sifting. Just stand up right where you are. Thank you. See, so th- those folks have no hesitation. And those of you who are wrestling right now, the reason that you're wrestling is because it's a, it's a, matter, it's a matter of decision. Because you want to shift, but the decision for the shift means I open myself to the sift. I, I need to be sifted. I need to be sifted, Lord. So Father, I pray for all those who are standing right now. God, there is an area in every one of their lives where you're going to pull back the veil. And that natural reality, God, that has been exerting influence is going to be broken right now in the name of Jesus. And that God, that there's a shift coming because they have made a decision to take a different course of action. I'm not going to let the status quo, I'm not going to let what I've been doing keep on going because if I keep doing what I've been doing, I'm going to keep getting what I've been getting. But God, I make a decision to follow you. Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. How many of you are gonna follow Jesus? Everybody stand to your feet with me. They're gonna sing this. We're gonna sing it one more time. We're gonna sing it to the glory of God. We're gonna sing it for the honor of God. Today, this isn't about walking out of here with our emotions touched. Thank God we are emotional. Thank God we're one-third emotions. Thank God I can come to church and I can feel something. I want to feel something. But I don't run on my feelings. I run on a decision that I am going to follow Jesus. Whether I feel like it or not, whether it feels good or it's uncomfortable, I'm going to follow the Lord. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.